When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your host, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner. No Jake Arians. He's still out of the country. Uh, Still waiting on that croissant, Jake. So hopefully uh, he brings me back something great from France. Uh, all jokes aside, we got a lot to get into today. We got a couple of trades. The the NFL, I guess, decided that this past Tuesday was the trade deadline, and not knowing that it's actually, you know, a little a little under two weeks from now. Uh, but listen, I love it. I love the trades. I love the chaos happening, and I love that people are are out there being aggressive. So we're going to talk about a couple of trades. We're going to recap Monday Night Football and all that is the referee gate that is happening in the NFL. Talk about a couple of injuries head coaches that potentially will be out, and then preview Thursday night football. Good matchup between the Chiefs Mm -hmm. and the Broncos. A lot of implications now that the Chiefs have lost two games in a row. Jamie, let's start off with the referees in Monday night football. Let's. I am devastated that Jake is not here to absolutely lose his gosh darn mind about the referees for the, I don't know, 150th time. Yeah, it's weird too because I don't know if Jake was able to watch the game live because I believe it had been like 3 in the morning or something in France. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing Uh, not. But he'll see it. This was uh, just an utter disaster. And in a season that's been a disaster for referees, this was the coup de grace of disasters. Always seems to be a Packers game too. It's just remarkable how this always happens with the Packers. There were just so many. I mean, look, everyone's going to start with the phantom hands to the face call twice on that that final or on the two final drives that allowed the Packers to score their last ten points. Um, you know, we could talk about the missed hands to the face call on the phantom hands to the face call uh, on that on that play. We could talk about how there's a touchdown for the Packers that is very clearly from the pylon cam, short of the touchdown, and supposed to be reviewed, wasn't reviewed. Uh, I mean, just where do you begin with this? It's Look, I know a lot of people like to go to these conspiracy theories. And I don't think that the league is punishing Matt Patricia for wearing a Goodell shirt. I don't think that they, they're pro-Packers. <laughs> we are seeing a systemic problem. That, that, that is, to me, they're too incompetent to come up with a conspiracy like this. Because this incompetency, we are seeing it every single week across the league. And I think it starts at the top. It starts with Al Riveron. It starts with the lack of accountability that he has. And quite frankly... The changes that he is seeing to the game compared to past VPs of officials. And I brought this up on the show last week. The difference is because Mike Pereira is on TV every week. That was his job before it was Al Riveron's job. And Mike Pereira disagrees with Al Riveron's final decisions All the time. constantly. Yeah. Even on rules that have not changed since the tenures have changed. So that tells me that Al Riveron has an issue in and of itself of what he is viewing as either a penalty, not a penalty, reviewable, not reviewable. That is an issue. The, I mean, look, we've talked ad nauseum about them not being full-time employees, and, and Jake has talked about what he would do, make them full-time employees, have them film study. The reality is there is no consistency from game to game, from quarter to quarter, from officiating crew to officiating crew, and really there's not even a ton of consistency from Al Riveron at the top. No. 
This is just a systemic problem that the NFL has that erodes the confidence in the game. And these are the same terms and the same phrases we use during the replacement officials snafu way back when of it erodes confidence in the game. And when there's so much money being thrown around and so much attention being had, they have to find a way to fix this problem. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's this this godlike sky judge we keep hearing about that makes those ultimate decisions. We just need some consistency. And one tweet, and again, I, I wish I saw who it was, and I, and I apologize because I really want to give them credit, but this was not me. But they said, you know, you officiating, the point of it is to make sure there's a fair game being played between both sides. It's not to call every ticky-tack penalty that you could possibly see in key moments throughout the game. And, and we have seen this in other sports where there's this joke about playoff officials. Let's say in hockey particularly, there's yeah. playoff officiating and then there's regular season officiating. Which doesn't make any sense to me. We should call it the same way either time. Yeah. If it's not a penalty in October, it's not a penalty in April. But yeah. the NFL needs to kind of have these scenarios where – think of this as the final two minutes of the game throughout the game. If it's not an egregious penalty, if it's not – if that penalty doesn't cause a play to happen or not to happen, we don't need to call this. You don't need to guess. You were guessing on those hands-to-the-face calls. You were guessing. You guessed. Yeah. And no, the solution isn't make every penalty reviewable because we'll never get through a football game. No. And there's the thing that you're saying here is it's continued to be this problem. But this year it's it's magnified, right? Because I don't think anybody's ever been very happy with the referees. But with technology, with the user experience, right? With us being able to watch it and rewatch it even faster than they're watching it again on the field, right? I've seen seven different camera angles before the referee who's reviewing it has seen it once other than right in front of his face. So the user experience now is better than it's ever been. There's always going to be issues, but it has to be better than it's been. And a lot of what's happening is last year after the NFC championship game, New Orleans made a huge stink about that call. And listen, it was the wrong call. I get it. I understand. But now we have gone from we're not going to call stuff to the extreme where referees on 50-50 calls are calling everything. And it is outrageous. Kind and it of. makes the game not fun. Kind of. Remember a few weeks ago where we, where we they, they blew the play dead on the Saints. So that should have been yes. a fun return for a touchdown. Yes. And then the next two weeks they let the play go. And yep. then they all of a sudden decided in certain games, well, they're not letting plays go Which anymore. Which doesn't... There's no consistency. There's it's just fr- it's just frustrating. And even in that Packers Lions game, you have again, and we haven't talked about it because they continue to make I think three or four major screw ups after this. Yeah, it was but bad. on the Carry On Johnson touchdown, you have the one line judge that actually has the view signaling touchdown, and you have a referee that doesn't have a view coming on the other side looking around and signaling ball down, and then you have the, the head official coming in and signal signaling Packers ball. Like it, it's it, guys talk to each other. Yeah. And and understand who has the ability to make that call. If you don't see it, if you don't know, don't make the call. It's mind-blowing to me because this happens all the time in the NFL where there is a referee within a 5 to 10-foot range of the call, right? And, And they make one call. And then a referee that is completely on the other side of the field. Like, I know for a fact you cannot have a good view. I, yeah. I can see. You are 25, 30 feet away, and they run in and start, make a call. And I go, there is absolutely no freaking way that you saw that call. No way. And if you are the if you are the referee that saw it, why are you not in that other referee's face saying, this is my call, yeah. right? Well, I that, saw that, it. There's a hierarchy there, exactly. too, unfortunately. Which, which sucks because there. it's not... There isn't this there isn't this right way to do things right now, right? And a lot of what Jake has said 
for, I don't know, three years on this podcast is this would be fixed if they made officials full time. This would be fixed. It would be helped a lot. It would help a lot. It would help a lot. There are a lot of things that they could have done to make this better. And guess what, people? It's not going to get better because they already, this deal was done. Next seven years, you are stuck with what you're getting. There's also no accountability. Like, yes, again, you, you, can't, like, you need to come out. And I understand that it's embarrassing. I understand that it looks bad. It looks worse on the league for you to pretend like these aren't an issue or to just release some statement on Twitter. That is to come out and fall on your sword and say, you know what? We made this mistake. Because you know what? Maybe if Al Riveron every single week had to hold a press conference on Tuesday morning and admit to these mistakes and read out those messages he sends to the teams that send him and said, these are the calls we got wrong, maybe more would be done to make sure he didn't have to do that. But because he can basically sit back and hide behind a Twitter account, and it's not just him, it, yeah. it, it, but it's just there's no accountability. If you had to call up a press conference out there, and again, I, I don't mean like you need to single out an official on game night. I'm just saying from the league office. You need to have some accountability from this, and maybe that's a press conference every Tuesday. We have to sit there and answer questions about this and explain why you didn't or didn't make these calls and explain further and have a give your viewers a better understanding of why you did or didn't make certain calls. Like there was a time where I, I thought that they should have challenged the pass interference in that in that game, but they, they Patricia didn't because he knew he had no chance. Yeah, because no it, chance never, of get, it never gets overturned. So yeah, what's the point? It's it's bad. I understand your frustration as an NFL viewer. I get it. I am too, right? I watch it. I'm frustrated. How does it get better? I don't you have to start the one week that it got better was Tom Brady tweeted, I can't watch this game anymore. I'm turning it off because of the officials. The only way this gets better is is, is if there are big people, big players, big coaches coming out and saying, This is not okay. We're not going to continue to play this way. It, it's driving us all nuts. Yes. On both sides of the football, we don't want the 50-50 calls called all the time. I don't want – I want the guys to play. If you talk to a wide receiver and you talk to a cornerback, they both want to be able to push a little bit down the line. Yes, they all they, hand fight. They all hand fight. And it's okay because if you hear somebody on the broadcast go, man, they're really letting them play today. It's better football. Yes. The, the reality is, again, you don't need to call every ticky-tack no. penalty. If it, if, if it causes or prevents a play from being made or causes a play to be made, then that's one of those calls that yes. you make. But the reality is, is we're, again, no th- consistency. there's like three. That's I think the biggest problem. I think they're averaging three more penalties per game this season than the last like four seasons. Like there's been a consistent, it's like, I think it's like 15, 15, 15 point something each of the last four seasons. And now it's over 18 penalties a game this year. Like yeah. it's, it's too much. It is too much. And it's, it's horrendous to watch. And I get the frustration people. So I, I feel free to tweet at NFL officiating all the time, all day long, drive them nuts. Uh, hit up their mentions, and, and hopefully your favorite NFL star starts complaining because that's the quickest way that this is going to get fixed. All right, two major trades happened in the NFL on Tuesday. Uh, made the joke about the fact that the NFL thought it was actually the trade deadline. The trade deadline is Tuesday, October 29th at 4 o'clock Eastern time. There will probably be more trades. There's already been rumors about quite a few others. But the two two trades that did happen, uh, Marcus Peters gets traded from the LA Rams to the Baltimore Ravens. And then Jalen Ramsey then gets traded to the L.A. Rams. So let's react first to Marcus Peters. Uh, got way overshadowed by Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Um, but Marcus Peters going to Baltimore, they obviously need some help in that secondary. They need to bolster that defense. Uh, your thoughts on, on what this does for this Baltimore Ravens and their chances at an AFC title because that's what they're looking for. I, I don't think it changes much. Marcus Peters is uh, has more name value than football value recently. 
Um, he's a player I liked a lot when he was in Kansas City. I liked him a lot, and it just it really hasn't translated to multiple years of success. Um, he has been – I think somebody put up a picture of burnt toast uh, <laughs> to describe Marcus, uh, Marcus Peters the last couple of years, and that's kind of what he's been. He's better than the pieces that they have out there. They've been injured in that secondary. I mean, obviously they need somebody opposite of Marlon Humphrey. But I, I don't think it changes them all that much. I know the Rams really liked Alex Young and they wanted to get him. I believe he's a little bit more cost-controlled as well. And we didn't fully understand why they were doing that at the time until we waited an hour and then figured out exactly why they had to move out Marcus Peters, and that's to get Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, which which the I have yet to see a trade get – I mean, this was – I saw I, every take. Exactly. Across the spectrum. I saw marvelous. every take. I saw this is the worst trade. I saw this is the best trade. This is I, great for Jalen Ramsey. This is terrible for Jalen Ramsey. Everything I, in between, right? I saw all of the takes on this. So – for what it's worth, they gave up two first-round picks and a fourth mm-hmm. for Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey's 24 years old. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, they're obviously trading for him, thinking that this will turn out to be the guy they have playing for them for a significant amount of time. But I believe, Jamie, they now have no first-round picks for like four years. Yeah, because of they, they traded away their other picks yes, in it, previous it's, years. It's like a five-year gap between first-round It's like first a five-year gap. So basically, in an essence, going forward in this window, right? Which is interesting when there's two teams you're looking up at and the timing is interesting. But I like the, the ballsiness of, of, of Snead going, okay, we're going to go for it. We have young quarterback, right? Young cornerback, Aaron Donald's young. You got some key pieces here. And you're going to have control and you're going to lock in Jalen Ramsey long-term, you assume. So we have to talk about the cap dynamics of what this is going to be. Yes. The reality is is the Rams, despite their lack of age, uh, they don't have a huge window here. And one can even argue that the window is going to close halfway after this season. Uh, so the, a lot of times, their biggest opening for the window is immediately. Yeah, which Because makes Jared Goff's cap hit next year is $36 million. Ooh. So... You right now, you, you, and they're going to again. They're going to be very top heavy with Donald, and again, they're going to sign Ramsey, which I am a little surprised they didn't work out a deal beforehand because that, that takes out the leverage. The same thing that the same mistake I think the Texans made is not when you is not acquiring the player for those first round capital. It's acquiring the player and then putting yourself in no ability to negotiate, uh, especially when you're in the Rams case where there's a huge tax difference. At least there's no state income tax in Texas or yeah, lo- low versus what it's going to be in California. Yeah. Uh, so that's even more. Money, you're, but again, the reality is, is this makes them a better team. That defense has been bad for two years. Nobody wants to talk about it because we look at the talent. We look at Aaron Donald. They've been bad, and they lost to keep to leave for the season. Bad. If this team wants to win a Super Bowl, which by the way, this team's play, it's not even a guarantee to make the playoffs right now. Yeah, they're third in that division. I was gonna say they're looking up at two teams, and so, two teams that don't look like they're gonna slow down. That that's they look bad. Goff's regressed. Gurley's hurt again. Cooks has been dealing with injury. You bet your best cornerback before you got Jalen Ramsey is on IR. All of a sudden, you're starting to look at this team and you're going, "Oh boy!" Like they, they could, they could. This could be an eight-win team that, or an eight or nine-win team that doesn't make the playoffs. And the other thing I thought was interesting, one of the takes I did actually look at and go, "Hmm, interesting," is that if you've watched them play, their defense hasn't been that bad. They haven't been great. But their offense has regressed, right? A lot of what you're talking about is, I think the joke was, are they trading for a running back? Like, are they trading for somebody who's going to be a consistent running back for them? Because right now, the problem is, they don't have what they had in Todd Gurley. And that offense was the best version of itself when Todd Gurley was such a threat coming out of that backfield that Goff had time, he had tons of weapons, Mm -hmm. and that's what you don't have anymore. And this offense doesn't look like it did 
at the beginning of last year. I, I still think more blame is being assigned to Gurley than it should. Yeah. Uh, look, look, this offense obviously looked best when he would look like the best running back in football. 100%. But Jared Goff hasn't been the same football player since no. the middle of last season. And no. by the way, we have nine good weeks of Jared Goff football in his life. Thank you. In the NFL. Thank you. So we have to start talking now about whether – now, you signed the deal. It's, you can't get out of it for at least the first two years of the deal. So when I, I'm not even sure if he's even viable after that. I have to look at it. But there's really like no chance. So this is your guy. He's been bad, except for about a half a season stretch. He has been a bad football player for you. So we need to look at what he is going to do long term because, yes, obviously Todd Gurley needs to be healthy and be out there. But Daryl Henderson looked pretty good in times. We've seen Malcolm Brown good look at times. I know it doesn't look like the best running game in football, but Jared Goff has to be a better football player than he's been. And and like I said, he's having very good games when he should be having great games. So even those big games he's having – He's leaving points on the field. You're now without, what, I believe, no booms out for the season. That was mm-hmm. start, another starter on the left side of that line. That's I, another big part. This, of this team season. has a lot of holes. And I and I look at this team and I go, I keep saying like I did last year, there's more talent on this team than production. And I don't know what their issue is, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. We all love Wade Phillips, but if you have enough talent, if your scheme's not working, we need to see it. So with Jalen Ramsey being on the field, for my money, when he's healthy, he's the best cornerback in football. If you want to argue Marshawn Lattimore, you want to argue Richard Sherman, sure, fine, whatever. Yeah. You want to argue Stephon Gilmore. Again, I, Gilmore and Lattimore are two and three. I think those are the top three with I Ramsey, and, and I don't think there's any debate there. But they need somebody to help limit one side of the field. And, and maybe they could run this a lot like they do. Again, different schemes, different players, but they could run this a, in a similar way that San Francisco does from a macro 30,000 feet in the air standpoint of you have somebody that can take away half the field, you have talented pass rushers on the interior, and put yourself in a situation where you can make up for a lot of those flaws yeah. by limiting the amount of options the other quarterback has. Uh, and I'm basically limiting it to one side of the field and hoping your pressure gets there in time. They need something to to boost this team because right now the playoffs aren't a guarantee. And again, as we look around the league, if this team can get things going, there is no dominant team right now. They could make a run, but I think their issues go well beyond this. So I, I, I'm, I implore Les need to keep, keep moving and keep making these moves because the reality is they have a very short window, yeah. I think, because of all these contracts and how top-heavy they're going to be going forward. Very interesting to note that that cap hit is a big number uh, next year. 36 Yeah, million. for that number... It's Eli Manning money. Yeah, you better get... Yeah. You better get more production from Jared Goff. Yes. He's got to be able, if you're a $36 million quarterback, you can win your team football games, period. That's what you need from your football team, and that's what you need from your quarterback. And I don't know if we're going to get that from Jared Goff. This is also a cautionary tale why I don't think you need to rush to extend your quarterbacks before the last year of their deal. I, this is why, again, this is why I, I was fine. Again, now I think of Dak a different way than... You know, we even thought of golf last year. And look, we were talking completely different things about golf last year. Let's not pretend that we all weren't, myself included. But the reality is, is when you have a quarterback that has been wildly consistent, there's this notion that Drew's going to make so much more money. Like Patrick Mahomes isn't going to make that much more money if you wait another year to do his deal. I'm sorry. There's a cap of how much money these guys are going to make. So not now we all pretty sure Mahomes is going to be an awesome a player, but. How much money is Kansas City really going to save if they sign him to an extension today versus they sign him to an extension at the end of the season? Yeah. Are they really going to save any money? We like to perceive these things. From a Jacksonville standpoint, because I think this is important too, they got a nice return for him. But th- th- there are two things I think we need to talk about here. One of them in particular, as everybody is patting the, the Jags on the back and they're saying, yeah, good job, good job. Yes, they got a good return. But I think on some level this is still a failure. You drafted Jalen Ramsey high. He was everything you expected to him to be and even more 
and you couldn't even maintain him through his rookie deal on your team. So as much as we want to pat the Jags on the back for getting a good return in the deal, I think you have to say this is still a tremendous missed opportunity when you hit on a pick to that level and get a true superstar player that you can't even get them to the end of their rookie deal for your team. Yeah, I think it says more about, obviously, what's going on within that organization, right? And you have to question that. If you're a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have to be upset with this. I understand they got a lot of draft capital, but the reality is you draft guys in hopes that you get a Jalen Ramsey. Okay, it's the same argument I had with Raiders fans. You better hope that one of the two guys turns out to be half of what Khalil Mack is because those are, it is hard to hit on draft picks and people obsess. It's the way I always talk about the Philadelphia 76ers and how their GM for a long time let, let their fan base just believe that you're like collecting this gold. Same with Boston. In Boston, it's the same way. You, I'm collecting all these assets. Okay, but at the end of the day, you're hoping and praying with a very small percentage chance that one of those assets turns out to be as good as Jalen Ramsey. Which you already know exists. You already know. I already know that Jalen Ramsey's the best cornerback in the league. Good luck trying to replace that. I I mean, those guys do not grow on trees. You just mentioned two other guys that might be in the conversation. That's it. There's an elite tier of three cornerbacks in the league that are just in in the class of their own. So you better hope that whatever you get in return is the top three at their position. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Yeah, and and I think that that, I know you get cost control and all this stuff, but again, it talks about a systemic failure. This is not a move that you make if you're in contention. This is not a move if you make probably if you don't blow the second half of that game. It's not a move that you make if you weren't paying your backup quarterback in Jacksonville a ton of money now to be hurt. No, let's talk about the fact that Jacksonville two seasons ago, not that long ago, 16, 18 months ago, was one play away they from were, beating the New England Patriots. They were the better they football should've. team. They were the better team that day. They were the better they football team. They choked that team. game away. And how they mighty have fallen because, man, from there to the end, that's what, that's what makes what New England does, and I know it pisses everybody off, so incredibly impressive because it is so hard to be good for so long. Nobody retools better than the Patriots. Nobody. And nobody ever will. It will never happen again. Retools and then puts guys in the right scheme. Because, look, look, we liked Stephon Gilmore three, four years ago. He wasn't the best cornerback in football three, four years ago. No. You could argue he's the best cornerback in football right now. Yeah. So. 100%. 100%. That stuff matters. You should, uh... You should be hitting up your uh, your organization, Jaguars fans, because I would not be happy with that trade. Uh, what trades do we want to happen here, Jamie? We, we, got, we, okay. two, we got two weeks left. So I, I talked to Nazim about getting a receiver to San Francisco, so Please. I won't do that. You know who else needs a wide receiver? The New England Patriots need a wide receiver. I agree. Julian Edelman's banged up. Philip Dorsett's banged up. Josh Gordon's banged up. I don't think Nikhil Harry is going to be a thing this year at all. I, I think this is basically, he might get on the field, but this is going to be essentially a glorified redshirt year for Nikhil Harry. Uh, as much as I know preseason Hall of Famer Jacoby Myers is on the team, but you're not winning a Super Bowl with Jacoby Myers being your best player, even for the Patriots who won Super Bowls with like David Givens and yeah. Deion Branch and, and the like. Uh, I think they could really use another wide receiver on that team, particularly on the outside. They're fine with Edelman in the middle. Even Myers can be okay in there if Edelman misses time, but they need another receiver on that team. Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a, a a big splash, yeah. uh, like an AJ Green or somebody like that, because I don't think AJ Green's going anywhere. Yeah, but boy, they need somebody. I'm just trying to rack my head of like guys that could actually be out there. Zay Jones would be interesting. He went to Oakland, obviously, in, yeah, in that I, deal. I I want AJ Green to move. I don't think that he's going to. I would like it for him. I would love to see him in San Francisco. I yeah. would love to see Jimmy Garoppolo have a top tier guy like that, and I think it would really revitalize and re-energize AJ Green, who I think has a lot left in the tank to play and would make that offense a lot more dynamic, which would be very interesting down the stretch. I also think Seattle fancies themselves a, a Super Bowl contender. The yeah. way Russell Wilson's playing, you can argue that they are. Uh, the 3-0 on the road, uh, they're playing really, really good football, and 
if they can stay toe-to-toe with the San Francisco 49ers, I think they feel confident that they can beat anybody in the NFL the way Russell Wilson's playing. And with Will Disley out, I think it would be very interesting if they're making a phone call to, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for O.J. Howard, who's not being utilized in in that offense and looks like he might need – Kind of a kick in the ass to to reboot himself somewhere else, right? Because he looks he doesn't look the same. He, he looks not as athletic as everybody says that he is. Yeah. Bruce Arians just doesn't use tight ends, guys. It doesn't matter how tight how how great the tight end position is. That's just not. Go look at what his offenses always are. I don't think OJ Howard fits that offense. But to be fair to Bruce Arians, they tried early in the season, and OJ Howard fumbled every opportunity—not yes. literally, but fumbled every opportunity he I was totally given. I totally so agree. So they made an effort early in the season to get him involved in that offense, and then he just blew yeah. every opportunity. I, and at that what, point, that's why I think he needs—he needs a fresh start. I, I think there's a lot of talent there. I think going to Seattle would be a good place for him, and I think. Knowing that Tampa Bay is in flux right now, I think would be an interesting point. Jason Light is very aggressive with draft capital, getting some draft, getting something in return, something good, right? You can get to get some good draft capital from the Seattle Seahawks and then maybe turning that into, I don't know, moving up to get a quarterback maybe? Well, that's going to be the question is, is what do they want for O.J. Howard? Because yeah. if they're looking for a first or second round pick, I have a hard time believing a team based on, again, the position of strength that Tampa is trying to deal from is going to agree to that. But, uh, you know, it, it is very interesting. You know, look, I, it's, it's so funny because I think we have seen three instances this year where teams have made early trades that have come back to bite them. I thought the Patriots moving on from Demarius Thomas, even though everybody yeah. was like laughing and oh look out, look out, the Patriots turned some, Demarius Thomas into something. They're so smart. Bet you wish they had Demarius Thomas right now, don't you? Yeah. Steelers trading um, well, uh, Josh Dobbs. Yes. Bet they wish they had Josh Dobbs right now. No kidding. Seahawks trading Nick Vanette. I bet they wish they had Nick Vanette yeah, right now. So sometimes when these teams trade away positions of depth, they all, they end up hurting themselves in the end. And sometimes maybe you need to wait all the way until the deadline to kind of see how these injuries play out. Because all three of those teams would be in a lot better scenario. Because, again, Seahawks need a tight end, Steelers need a quarterback, Patriots need a wide receiver, and yeah, they were all on their roster five weeks ago. Very interesting point to bring up there. Uh, all right. The last thing I want to get to here before we talk about an injury update is – the next head coach that that's out in the NFL here, right? We already know Jay Gruden moved on. They're, they're, Washington's going to be in search for for a new head coach. We've got a couple. Of, we got Zach Taylor, who's winless so far. He's not so going. He's I don't a, think he's no. going to go anywhere. If you know anything about how Cincinnati operates, and also let, let's we need to remove again a lot like what happened with the Le'Veon Bell situation. There are things that happened last year that aren't going to happen again for a long time. The Le'Veon Bell held held out for the whole season. The draft a quarterback top 10 and then immediately draft another quarterback number one and then one one and done rookie head coaches. I just don't think we're going to see. I know we saw all three of those things last year. Those are not trends. I would not expect that to happen again for a very long time. No, but I do think that there are a couple of coaches that are the the one coach that's a rookie that I think could make his way out depending on how bad it gets is Freddie Kitchens. Um, I do think that that could be a potential. Yeah. If it's... That only half counts because he was the head coach for like half the season. Yeah, correct. (laughs) For half the season last year. season last year but if he gets but yeah if things go terribly over the next few weeks where we need we have looked at their schedule and go okay if they want to even sniff eight wins they gotta go they gotta do this i I think that could be one that that maybe turns in into being that way um any other oh it's dan quinn dan quinn's getting fired that's that's a matter of when it's just a matter of when dan quinn's getting fired um it's it's not working. It's not working. You're supposed to, it's just, it hasn't been working. They've underachieved last year and they've somehow continued to underachieve to an even greater extent this year. 
It's been, uh, it's, it's honestly, bad. it's it's horrible to watch because there's so much talent on that offense specifically. And I know that the, the talent on the offense hasn't really been the problem because they're putting up big numbers. They're scoring. I mean, I know we talked about it on Monday show. When you put up 33 points in the NFL, you should win a football game. You should. Especially when you're on the road. If you put up 33 points against anybody – your defense should be competent enough to stop a rookie quarterback and cl- not a high-flying offense, okay, mm-hmm. in Cliff Kingsbury and what we're talking about here. But they couldn't get it done. And Dan Quinn is a defensive specialist. That is his genre of coaching. And since he's been there, with the exception of the year that they went to the Super Bowl, they've been bad defensively. I mean, no, like record-breaking bad last year, horrible this year so far. I don't, I don't see him making it to Thanksgiving, Jamie, if it continues this yeah, way. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of problems there. Look, and it's you, you can attribute some of their offensive success to the fact that if you're down three scores late in the of game course. all the time, the team's playing soft. Yeah. Uh, but, look, there are a lot of problems on this team. They have, they have so much talent, and it's just like – it's just frustrating to watch. You know, like you have a quarterback that has the ability – is good enough to win a Super Bowl with. You have – Two really strong and talented wide receivers on the outside. A very solid number three. Your tight end's blossoming. You have a running back that looks good. I mean, you have the pieces to be successful, and you're just just flailing away. And you have since you lost that, since you blew that twenty-eight to three lead, you've just been flailing away, uh, and it's really disappointing to see. Yeah, I it's it's been really disappointing to see, especially uh, as a fantasy owner of any of their offense, because even though they're putting up points, if they had a semi-competent defense, yeah. I think they'd be in a, in, in a much better spot. Tell me Matt Ryan though. If you're a Matt Ryan fantasy yeah. owner, you're happy you paid up in the seventh round or whatever to yeah, get him. He's like putting I up points. Yeah, yeah, he is definitely putting up points. All right. Uh, Alvin Kamara injury update, Jamie, your, your, uh, level of confidence with him playing this week. Well, I, I may pull up the exact quote because look, he played last week and he got a ton of, I think he got 18 touches in that game. So it wasn't like they were limiting him, but he clearly, I mean, he was clearly spilling time with, uh, Latavius Murray and they weren't, uh, you know, they were trying to limit him a little bit and he didn't look himself. But then the report comes out today. I'm trying to find the exact quote here as I scroll down to it. Here it is. Uh, that concerned me, which was, quote, he has a shot to play in week seven. Yeah, probably not playing. So that's not what I like to hear. Uh, so obviously if Latavius Murray did not get picked up last week for some reason off waivers, he needs to be your probably number one pickup off waivers this week. Uh, that's got to be concerning. It's not a great matchup. They're, they play they play the Bears, and from what I hear, they have a decent defense up there in Chicago, and they've had a little bit of time to prepare. Uh, so, uh, you know, unless Trubisky throws a bunch of balls that get picked off and tackled at the one or whatever, yeah. this might not be a great game to start. Really, any Saints player, uh, you're going to start Michael Thomas, but you know, you know, you know the deal. Uh, I'd be concerned. I'm a Camaro owner. I have Latavius Murray on my bench. I guess your biggest fear is that they're going to do what they did last week, and they're both active, and they both kind of put up eight points, and you don't really know what to do with it. Uh, but just something to kind of keep in mind because I believe that is an early game. It's a 10 a.m. start time, so you're yes. going to have to make a call on that. Yes, you know, you're totally right. And I, I think with the Bears' defense obviously being in the position that they are and knowing that it's a bad matchup, you don't want to put him out there on a 50-50 if he's feeling not great to go out there and just get just shellacked for, for 60 yeah. minutes. It's not not probably worth it long-term when you have already gone 4-0, and right? And you know that... It, Drew Brees is on the horizon to come back. This team wants to to, to be an NFC champion. Probably got to be careful with Alvin Kamara because your offense is going to look much different if he goes out there and, and re-injures himself. All right, Thursday night preview. We got a good one. Chiefs going on the road to play the Denver Broncos. Two teams in two different positions, right? The Denver Broncos on a two-game win streak. The Kansas City Chiefs on a two-game losing streak. Uh, the Chiefs 
have lost two straight home games, as I told you guys on Monday, for the first time since Andy Reid's first season in Kansas City. Uh, they're going on the road. They're going a mile high, which is a tough place to play, as we all know. All you need, you will see everybody on that defense with an oxygen mask on, probably midway through the second quarter. They will be gassed. It will happen, and they get gassed regularly when they are not in mile high. So, not a great matchup for them from that perspective. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Mahomes is obviously going to be slinging the ball around, and they, I don't want to put it as a must-win, but it kind of feels that way. If you lose three games in a row, you lose another divisional game, you kind of can't lose this game. You kind of, It feels like, I know it's early to go must-win, but it, it's borderline there. Yeah, the only thing that keeps me from playing must-win is that I don't believe anybody's going to catch them. Like yes. I don't think the Chargers are going to catch them. I don't think the Raiders or the Broncos are going to catch them. I, I'm going to lean Kansas City here to cover. I do think it's a one-score game. I do think this is a one-touchdown game. Yeah. Denver Again, I will continue to, to express that Denver is an incredibly tough place to play. It is the only place that has a tangible home field advantage. There are a lot of home field advantages in places, but a tangible home field advantage of there's an actual environmental advantage. Yeah, it has nothing to do now. with the fans. It's <laughs> actually what happens with the weather. Yeah, and, and so it, it's – and look, the Broncos have been playing better. I mean, Joe, that yeah. offense has been playing actually pretty well whole season. I think people have kind of haven't been paying attention because it, that's a weird team that even – since. Basically, since Peyton Manning left, like, and I guess Tebow, uh, Tebow and Manning, like people kind of don't pay attention to what happens up there. Yeah. But they've been playing a lot better offense than I think people would imagine so far this year. Joe Flacco, top 10 in efficiency. Yeah. Saw that this morning. He's, he's actually been good. Been play- he's he's been actually good been playing this year. really good. He is playing well. We'll see if he continues. But he's been playing really good this year. This is not the same Joe Flacco we saw in the waning years in Baltimore. Uh, I think this is going to be a really close game. The Broncos run the ball effectively. Again, the Chiefs are going to be in every game because of their offense. They're also going to be in every game because their defense makes them. Yeah. And that's and that's both of them are very true. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's a one score. But I'm going to lean to Kansas City. I have a hard time seeing Andy Reid's team with this much talent losing three in a row. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, I think the Chiefs know. I know it's hard going on the road. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. Road teams on Thursday night, it's always tough. Short rest, getting on a plane, getting out there to Denver. Tough environment to play, as we already talked about. But I really think that this team knows that if they want to compete in the AFC, it's not about their division. It's about being at the top of the AFC, making sure they position themselves to have as many home games as possible as they can. Because right now, as it stands, they're going to New England if they're playing in an AFC championship game. And going to Foxborough... <laughs> is not an easy task. Well, and right? right and right now they're playing on the first weekend. That's that's so, another part of it, right? I, I mean, you want to pl- you want to give your team extra time to rest, extra time to prepare. Would be interesting to see if this team's in on any trades, right? I, I, I think they're depending on what happens. If this game's a little bit more close than than they think, or they lose this game, right? You know you got you got a talented offense, but this defense is man, it's ugly, and it's like mm-hmm. Jamie said. They're gonna be. They're gonna. Their defense is gonna put them in every game yes. because of, because of bad reasons, right? And Mahomes is gonna have to be special, which we know he can be. But it's a tough place to play. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I'm gonna go that they barely cover the spread, like four. So don't bet this game. Stay away from this one. Wait until the weekend. There will be plenty to bet on. Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Just said again, it's more on this Thursday night game stuff. You have to just pay close attention here because I, I 
this Chiefs, there are a lot. Of, I just keep. I feel like I'm a broken drum saying this, but the top teams in this league have just so many flaws. It's weird. It's jarring talking about teams like Kansas City, talking about teams like the Rams, talking about these teams that have these major flaws at the top. I look. I know the Patriots are undefeated, but that team has a lot of question marks on offense right now, which we thought they'd have question marks on defense, and that defense has been outstanding. Yeah. Uh, it's their offense. They have a lot of question marks. There's really. I will continue to say this. This is exciting because the NFL is as open, I think, this season as it's ever been. I can't really pinpoint to you. I mean, yes, you can easily look at the Patriots. But I can't pinpoint to you, A, oh, here are the only two or three teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Because there are a lot right now. The Kansas City Chiefs are right now going to play on opening weekend. The Buffalo Bills have the second best record in the AFC. Yep. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's open right now. And, look, this things can, get, things can get really interesting this year. I'm really excited to see how this plays out because – we're going to have – I think there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote upsets going forward in the back half of the year and even in the postseason because I think there's – we talk about parity a lot, but I actually think this year might be the best example of there being the most parity because last year when we talked about it, we talked about there being parity at the tippy top. Yes. There were five or six teams that were parity, but then there was a big gap. Well, now, the whole league. basically one through 20, yeah. there's not a huge difference. No. It's and it's going to be really exciting to see how it plays out. No, they brought it up on, on the Monday Night Football game, if you watch, because technically, as of right now, the Bears are 3-2 and two at the bottom of that division, right? Like, if you yeah. look at that... The, the, the Lions went to last place with that loss. Yes, the Lions went to last place with that loss, but yeah. at 3-2-1, at three, three, and one, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the division, that division specifically, is going to be very close, and I think it's going to be very close the whole year. There's some divisions where it's going to be close but in a bad way where they're more down at the bottom of the barrel potentially the AFC West being one of the teams we'll see we'll see how it all shakes out the Chiefs I thought might have to win 12 games to be at the top of that division because I thought the Chargers would be right there at 11 doesn't look like that's going to happen yeah I mean let's realistically how many games is it going to take to win the AFC South the AFC North and the AFC West right I mean yeah probably 10 the Bills have a legitimate chance to be the second best team in the AFC. 100%. It doesn't matter because they're going to have to play on wildcard weekend because the Patriots exist. But, I mean, you look at the stuff I right now. I can make an argument they're the second best team in the AFC right now. They are record-wise. Yeah, they almost have, beat the Patriots. And, and if any team... They're going to throttle the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. By the way, Ryan Fitzpatrick's starting again. So, yeah. Okay. If, that's, if they're going... If any team... If, if the Chiefs are going on the road to play Buffalo in the cold, I'm taking Buffalo. That's what I'm saying. I, 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 Unfortunately, they're not going to have to because I know. The, the Bills are probably not. They would have to Sucks win the division the Bills, to make that man. happen. But can Tom Brady retire already? Poor, poor Joe Marino. Poor Buffalo Bills fans. They just even with a good football team, it doesn't matter well, because New England. Patriots exists. played anybody. Yeah, things would have been really interesting. I wish they would have won that game because that would have been really interesting if they had a one game lead and then yeah. knowing that they would have at least a shot at owning the tiebreaker uh, later in the year would have been would have been nice. Alas, would, alas, we uh, we live in a Patriots world. That's where we, we live, for, at least for the uh, foreseeable future because Tom Brady's not retiring anytime soon people uh no parting thoughts other than the refs are terrible that is all that is all I have for today uh Jamie how can everybody follow you on social media you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram you can follow the show at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN fantasy on Instagram and be sure to check out Jamie's rankings on the draftnetwork.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.